1: Have you ever wanted to be a superhero? Join clinical psychologist Dr. Janina Scarlett and host Dustin McGinnis as they explore the psychology behind your favorite TV shows, movies, books, comics, video games, and more. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to Superhero Therapy with Dr. Janina Scarlett. I am your host, Dustin McGinnis. I am a musician, filmmaker, and all-around fanboy.
0: And I am Dr. Janina Scarlett. I am a clinical psychologist, scientist, and a full-time geek.
1: Today we're going to talk about the psychology of gaming. At very early ages, we learn to play games. Games are fun, they build social relationships, confidence, strategic thinking. There have been multiple studies that suggest that games have many benefits. Um, Some cognitive benefits include enhanced coordination, improvements in problem-solving skills, memory, concentration, multitasking, and education. I mean the list goes on and on. So board games, video games, brain games, phone apps, whatever. What are some benefits to using gaming in
0: therapy? Well, you mentioned that when we're little, we we engage in gaming, and sadly for some people, once we hit adolescence, we stop engaging in gaming as much, although now that's starting to change with video games. The truth is, as we can learn from other mammals, play behavior is actually really adaptive. It can allow us to process our emotions, it can allow us to connect with others, it can allow us to... Uh, to experience joy Um, and as you mentioned um, play behavior can also teach us certain skills like certain um, hand-eye coordination and um, multiple games are now being used to help uh, people who have survived stroke for example to regain functioning games are also being used with Um, Certain people who are having memory problems to improve their memory, so there's uh, a lot a lot of benefits to games I would say the most therapeutic benefit to games is that it allows for uh, a mindfulness activity So, for example, somebody playing Angry Birds or Tetris might actually be able to practice mindfulness because they're able to um, pay attention to a task. They have to in order to do well. And there are actually a number of research studies suggesting that certain phone apps um, such as Tetris or Um, Angry birds, for example, can actually at least temporarily alleviate the effects of depression, anxiety, and might even prevent the development of post-traumatic stress disorder. So there was a study that was done a few years ago where uh, immediately after people were involved in a car accident, they were either given a game of Tetris to play or they were not and it turned out that participants who played a game of Tetris actually showed fewer ptsd symptoms a few months later compared to people who did not play and what researchers are suggesting is that after we're experiencing trauma our brain is trying to make sense of it right so we might uh, we might go over the details of the accident for example over and over and over again and Um, This is where those re-experiencing flashbacks might develop, but if we give our brain another task to solve, then we might have fewer of those hypervigilance and re-experiencing symptoms down the line. The benefits of games are endless and there's... Um, there's really no end point at which they can be used. I think that um, it all depends on um, how they're being utilized in treatment, but not only are they being utilized in mental health, they're being utilized in many hospitals and retirement centers and physical therapy clinics, and um, we're seeing tremendous benefits of people being able to use games as either mental or physical therapy.
1: You've Obviously used games in your your own therapy. Can you possibly go into an example? I think I've heard on a panel you were talking about uh, Brothers of two worlds or something
0: Sure Um, So there's a game that I recommend for clients to play at home. This is actually a video game It's called brothers a tale of two sons It's a really really powerful game which allows players to process grief. I don't want to include spoilers for people who might want to play it Um, but I think it's a really powerful game and I think for anybody who might be experiencing grief, it would be a really powerful game to play and for therapists who are working with clients who are experiencing grief, it's a very powerful game to prescribe. Alternatively, I've also played certain games in therapy with my clients during a session, it ranges from chess to Dungeons and Dragons to Munchkin. For example, I was working with a teenage girl who was struggling with depression, She had a really, really hard time coming out of her shell because of her depression. She had a really hard time speaking about her emotions and her experiences. And the first few sessions, she refused to allow her parents to leave the office. She wanted them near her. She would kind of nuzzle into their arm. And if I would ask her anything, she would just shrug. So finally I said, well, it's fine. We don't have to talk about what's going on. Why don't we just play a game of Munchkin? And she said she'd never played before, but she agreed to play. And she agreed to allow her father to wait in the waiting room while we were playing. So I explained the rules to her. And for those of you that have not played a game of Munchkin, you are seriously missing out. It is a really, 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 really fun game. And um, it's a little bit like a silly version of D&D, kind of, sort of the idea is that there are door cards and there are treasure cards and you are a munchkin and you on your turn have to go through a dungeon door and if there's a monster there you have to fight it if you can and if you defeat it you go up a level and then your turn will be over if you win then you gain treasures and a level and then the first munchkin to get to level 10 wins now, there's all kinds of things that you might hit along the way, whether it's curses or enchantments. And munchkins can either help you or curse you. And it's really up to each individual player how they want to play the game. The game is really interactive and fun. So we started playing it and slowly she started coming around. She started speaking. She started asking questions about the game. And the first go around, our focus was just on the game. Well, she ended up winning and really enjoyed the game and asked if we could play again. So I said, sure. So we played again. And now as we were playing, I noticed that she got a text on her phone and I asked if she would tell me who the text was from. And she started telling me about this boy that she likes. And she started telling me about her friends all while playing this game. And normally, she would have a really hard time making eye contact with me. She had a really difficult time with social skills in general. But through this game, she was willing to communicate and connect with me. Well, next session, she and her dad came in with their own version of Munchkin that they purchased from a gaping store. And her father said that they've been having family game nights for the past week playing this game. And now uh, my patient was excited to talk to me. And we spent the next few sessions playing Munchkin and talking about what was going on with her, with slowly phasing Munchkin out. What I saw really was the power of this game to allow this young girl to have her own voice. It took her learning how to play, it took her... Feeling a little bit more optimistic about her abilities as a player and as a young girl, as a person, to start coming out of her shell. But once she engaged, she was a completely different person.
1: Playing games with clients, I would like to know what would be the benefits of like putting a, a patient in a situation where there is the possibility of losing? For instance, would letting them win build them confidence or having them lose, build patience, resilience, humility? I mean, would there be a problem in letting them win or is it is it like a, a thin line there?
0: That's a really wonderful question, Dustin. I think it's not a black and white answer. You know, the truth is, as therapists, we always need to consider what would be in our client's best interest. I tend to steer on the side of being authentic with my clients because I think that if I give in, if I allow my clients to win, especially if I allow them to win too easily, they're going to see right through that and they're not going to trust me again usually i might play a little bit lighter and less competitively with people who are just starting out than i would with my friends for example or you competitive you can get (laughs) (laughs) of course um however um i would not necessarily play into my client because i think that simply allowing them to win might not be beneficial long term there could be a lot that could be processed in a, a client winning or losing so The short answer is it depends on what would be best for the client. But in general, I think it would be best for the therapist to try to be authentic, maybe take it easy, certainly not taunt the client, um, but probably to be authentic in their gaming ability.
1: So another question that I have, I'm sure that is on the tip of everybody's tongue that's out there listening to this, is that there are some parents who believe that gaming is just a waste of time. As current YouTube personalities and mainstream gaming leagues can argue, though, um, gaming can actually be a lucrative career. What do you say to a parent who has concerns about their children's gaming
0: habits? I've actually had a a number of parents who've had those same concerns. I mean, the truth is, as therapists, we always look at function, right? What is the function of this game? If playing a particular game allows the individual to unwind from a busy day so that they're better able to connect with their friends and family fantastic. If playing a game allows them to better process their emotions and maybe uh, feel better and, and, and maybe better manage their anxiety or depression, or maybe even connect with their friends while playing online, for example, or while playing in person with some of their friends, then I think that's great. If, however, playing video games, for instance, takes over a person's life to where they're missing their other obligations and other activities that are meaningful or important to them, then we might think that this might not be very functional. However, as a therapist, I'm very cautious not to discourage my clients from playing games, but instead to find out the function of a game. And for many people, the function of the game might be to connect to something, maybe to be the hero of their own quest, for example, right? Somebody might really enjoy playing World of Warcraft, especially if they themselves don't feel like a hero in their own life. That's not to say people who feel like heroes might not enjoy this game, but I think that certain people might find relief in gaming, a kind of role that they've always yearned to play in real life. And as a therapist, then I try to help my clients find additional tasks and activities in their own life where they can also experience something like it where they can help out their community and better connect with others and go on their own quests while also still being able to enjoy their gaming and this is what i have to educate a lot of parents about Letting parents know that actually, for many adolescents, for example, playing video games can be very adaptive. It is a way that they can communicate and connect with their friends who might live far away, for instance. It might be a way for them to learn to cope with certain emotions. It's not necessarily that video games are the root of all evil, as a lot of parents tend to believe. Some games and Some gaming experiences can actually be really adaptive. So I highly encourage parents to have conversations with their kids about what is meaningful to their children about a particular game. What is it that your child likes about the game? What makes the game enticing? How do they play? How do they win? And what do they get out of it? And I think that creating these kind of open conversations can actually allow a parent to understand their child better than to simply tell their child to stop playing and go play outside. In a lot of families nowadays, that's not even realistic.
1: Listening to you talk about it, I I mean, I can't help but reflect on my own experiences with you and how wonderful it was because i love video games i play video games all the time and and it's funny that you said you know you kind of want to become a character or something like that and uh when we met i was playing you know arkham knight or arkham city i can't remember which one but um, it was one of the one of the batmans you know what i mean and i am batman when i play those games i'm not joking i get down and i'm they can't even see me i'll sneak up on them and Batman, him. but I remember actually talking to you on the phone when we were dating, and you said, Go get him, Batman. <laughs> <laughs> and I gotta be honest, that was freaking really cool to have Aww. someone who was validating and supportive um, about something. That a lot of people take as you know just a waste of time or whatever
0: mom believe in you honey
1: <laughs> well thank you so speaking about the parents and gaming just in general I played Warcraft for years and there was times where I went overboard you know and when I first saw how many hours actually it was not hours it was days and it was like 200 days or something like that within a you know eight-year span or whatever I had to say sayonara to that. Is there a moment where excessive gaming outweighs any of these benefits that we've been discussing?
0: I think that it depends on each individual. The question becomes, how do we want to live our life, right? For some people, games like World of Warcraft is a way that they create community. This is when they're able to see or hear or interact with their friends, right? So for some people, their friends or family live far away, or maybe they, they've developed new friendships through this game, and they're able to have the sense of a community through this particular video game. For people who are able to experience this sense of connection and fulfillment, it might not be excessive. And ultimately, the question is, how do you want to live your life? You know, at the end of your life, if you looked back, what kind of actions would allow you to have the least amount of regrets? And for some people, their regrets might be I wish I played more video games and I wish I connected with my friends more and, you know, and didn't take myself so seriously and didn't work as hard. And in fact, those are usually the biggest regrets of the dying, right? People on their deathbeds typically wish that they. Spend more time having fun and taking it easy and not working as hard and not taking themselves too seriously. So, whether it's through playing games or whether it's through being silly or traveling the world, I think that ultimately we need to look at that we need to look at how we want to live our lives how we want to connect so i think that it's not so much how many hours are we playing it's how are we spending this time that's the true question because if we're playing as a way of connection then i think that that's wonderful if we're playing to disconnect well sometimes that's important too but if we're playing to disconnect all the time, and as a result of us trying to run away from our emotions and experiences, we're not really living, then that might be something we might regret.
1: We love video games, we love games, we, we have game nights. It's no surprise to me that your most recent book involves gaming. It comes from different aspects. Uh, so the book I'm talking about is Therapy Quest. Essentially, it integrates fantasy gaming like D&D with like a choose-your-own-adventure element to it. Can you please tell us a little bit more about this book?
0: Sure, Um, I'm actually really really excited about this book. So it's called Therapy Quest. It is currently only out in the United Kingdom, but people from all over can purchase it either from Amazon UK or from Book Depository who will deliver for free worldwide including to the United States. So this book As you mentioned it's kind of like a role-playing game so when you're reading it you the reader are the leading character so the book is written in second person so you have to become this hero the chosen one who has to defeat an evil villain and, and save the world from ending except that you don't feel like a hero uh, you are having these anxieties and overwhelming experiences and depression and, and self-doubt and you, a lot of times you feel like a fraud and you have to learn to manage your own demons of depression and monsters of anxiety in order to get through this quest. So every time you make a decision, your quest changes and every time you make a decision, you, you learn a mental health skill of some kind. In addition, every time you make a decision, you will either earn or lose points. So there's a few different categories. There's courage, wisdom, and inner strength. So these categories are somewhat similar to some of the categories you might see in D&D. And... Every time you make a psychologically smart decision or adaptive decision you will earn points in one of these categories, or if you make a maladaptive or not helpful decision you might lose points or your character might even die a tragic tragic death. And by the end of the game you have to have enough points to fight the final battle. Now the whole point of this game is that I want it to be a self-help book that is actually a fantastical adventure because the truth is I want to take away mental health stigma worldwide. To this day, people all over the world are still embarrassed about having some kind of a mental health struggle whether it's depression or anxiety or trauma or substance use or self-injury. I think that everyone struggles to one degree or another and what I want to do with this book is I want to normalize these experiences and I also want to make the quest to us learning about our mental health, fun, and enjoyable. So I'm making it like a heroic quest. I'm really, really excited about this book. I'm hoping that people will benefit from it. I've received a number of letters over the past couple of months since it's been out, and it's been absolutely heartwarming to see the amount of people that have been touched by it that mentioned that there were some aspects of the book that have been very, very helpful to them. My goal as a writer and as a mental health professional is to eradicate mental health stigma and to make learning about mental health fun and to have it feel like a sense of an adventure. Yeah,
1: I've had the chance to read the book. I think it's fantastic. I I could see how a book like this can also give someone who's struggling maybe a way to articulate what they're going through. You know, it's very spot on. and, And thinking about that, it's like, What do you hope the readers will get from this book?
0: I hope the readers will understand that they are heroic every single day. That every day that they're battling their monsters of depression or anxiety or insecurity or the voices in their head or anything that they're struggling with, that is their heroic journey. That is a monster that they have to slay that day. The way that they proceed on that journey is up to them. And the truth is, I believe in them. I believe in you, in each and every one of you. And I know that you're strong enough and amazing enough to succeed.
1: What you just said kind of gave me goosebumps. And and when I read the last, I don't want to give any spoilers about your book, but the last couple pages gave me goosebumps because you can feel your passion and what you're trying to accomplish and just how much you believe in the person that's reading the book. I felt like... I had to overcome something even though I didn't, but it was, it's very, you know, heartwarming and I felt the passion in it. So you're going on a book tour soon. Can you tell our listeners where they might find you?
0: For some of our European listeners or any other listeners who might wish to join us in Europe, we will be in Germany on May 15th. I will be giving a couple of lectures in Hamburg, Germany then on may 18th i will be giving a couple of workshops in galway in ireland then on may 22nd i will be giving a workshop on superhero therapy in Bari, italy and then from may 24th to the 27th we will be in london for london comic con so uh, dustin and i actually going to have a panel and i will be signing copies of superhero therapy therapy quest and harry potter therapy
1: so since we're on the subject of your book i also wanted to bring attention to this program that you had started called the pay it forward program it includes all your self-help books and giving people access to them who might not normally get access to them can you please explain what this program is and what it does for the mental health community
0: of course. My goal is, as I mentioned before, to eradicate mental health stigma. I want to make mental health learning fun and enjoyable. And I realized that a lot of people don't have access to mental health services either because they're not available in their community or even more commonly because they cannot afford it. So I've started the paid forward program in which People who can afford to spare uh, at least a few dollars can donate through our website. So our our website is superhero-therapy.com. There's a donate button where you can donate. Alternatively, people can donate through patreon.com. If you look for superhero therapy, you can become a monthly donor on that site. All the proceeds from either of these forms of donations will go towards sending self-help books to individuals who will need them. So individuals will either get a copy of Superhero Therapy, Therapy Quest, or Harry Potter Therapy. Now I'll be honest, there was a kind of a happy accident that happened a couple of weeks ago. So I did a video, uh, one video on all my social media platforms where I've stated that if anyone is in financial need, they can request a copy of one of these books, primarily superhero therapy, because that was the one we had the most abundance in. And to do that, if anyone is in need, uh, whether it's an individual, a mental health hospital, a school, a clinic, they can email superhero therapy. that's all one word, SuperheroTherapy, at gmail.com, and we will send them a free copy so long as we have enough books available. And in all the videos except on twitter i've mentioned that for now the service is only available in united states and i did hear from a number of people in the united states who did desperately need a copy of some kind of self-help book because they had no other access to mental health either because they were teenagers and weren't working or because they were disabled and i did also hear from a few clinics such as a clinic in alaska uh, which is now utilizing superhero therapy with adolescent teenage girls who are struggling with self-injury and and emotion regulation difficulties. But when I released the video on Twitter, I forgot to mention that the service would only be available in the United States. So naturally, I got a number of requests from people from other countries. I got requests from mental health professionals who cannot afford to buy books. I got requests from individuals and then also teachers. There were several teachers who emailed me. One was from South Africa, for example, and these individuals uh, were in, in desperate need of resources either for themselves or for their students or their patients. I was actually really glad that this accident happened because we ended up finding out that Book Depository uh, actually has free shipping and we were able to send out books to these individuals. And the amount of responses that I've gotten has been incredible. And I have to say, I'm really, really glad that this happened because it allowed me to reach a wider population that is in need of mental health services and allowed me to discover these other options, whereas I didn't think we would be able to ship to other countries. Now I know we can. And I'm so very grateful for the amazing outreach of support that we're getting now. People are donating through Patreon, people have actually donated. Um, at the conferences that we've been to. The more donations we receive, obviously, the more books we can send out. And my hope is to provide everybody in need with a book of their own. So if you're somebody that would like to do a pay-it-forward program, then feel free to donate through superhero-therapy.com or through our Patreon. So you go to patreon.com and you can look for Superhero Therapy. Or if you're someone in need and would like to receive a free mental health self-help book, feel free to email us superherotherapy at gmail.com and request a book. We will be happy to send it out to you so long as we have copies available.
1: So on that note, we're going to go ahead and end this episode of Superhero Therapy with Dr. Janina Scarlet. Again, my name is Dustin. You can find me on Twitter at The Valiant Geek.
0: And I'm Dr. Janina Scarlet On Twitter, I am at ShadowQuill. And you can look for me under Superhero Therapy pretty much on all social platforms.
1: Until next time, everybody, take care, keep gaming, keep geeking, and believe in your superhero self. <laughs>